Today's episode of 990 Talk brought to you by Menachem Siegel of Charity.com. Charity.com is not just a fundraising platform or something you get harassed about by your friends all the time, but it's a leader in crowdfunding for organizations around the world. They've raised literally billions of dollars. We use them. We use them every year. I don't need to plug that right now. If you run an organization, if you're involved in an organization and you want to quadruple your impact... You should definitely give them a call. Menachem's a great guy. 732-833-3253 or email him at menachem at charity.com. Menachem Siegel, charity.com. Let's go. Hey. Hey, Mom. What's up? Really, What I really want to know is how supportive Malka is of this podcast venture. Believe it or not, you're going to be really excited about this, but uh, we are... Probably uh... not. If you and I are you're calling me about something. Okay. <laughs> well, that went well. <laughs> I think she hung up. <laughs> you guys are so bored. Seriously. <laughs> are you going to listen to it? Well, I don't know. I try to only listen to things that really relate to my life. <laughs> wow, that, that hurts. Oh, that, that's that is great. right in the gut. <clears throat> I mean... You guys have nothing better to do with your time. I figured it's about time you do something. Now, you're obviously very bored because you have no idea if it was going to actually be happening. <laughs> We're calling it 990 yeah. Talk. A lot of people out there think that those who can't make profit work in nonprofit, and that may or may not be true. You know, we're just like two dudes in, in a world that most people are focused on chasing every dollar. We kind of just want to show people that there's a niche for guys like us. In the meantime, we're out to at least talk about what it means to work in nonprofit. You know, just like changing the world is more important. So. Do me and you can do you, but I'm going to do what I love, do what I love. I'm going to do me and you can do you. And welcome back to... Yeah, and good. welcome back to the 990 Talk podcast. Woohoo! Ari and Sterling back in the studio. Things are getting a little bit busy here. Wednesday morning. It's already May. Camp is coming up. And uh, we're just trying to stay committed to bringing you guys all the uh, slightly above average content that we have committed to do. Oh my God, you said May and I almost panicked. First of all, I thought it was April for a second. I'm okay. I'm like really. It is not April. And not only is it not April, it's basically mid May. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we got well. Some, yeah. About that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Things are getting busy. Summer is really starting to rev up, and um, this is a good test for the podcast. By the way, I mean, obviously, we have to discuss this off the record, but like, we're gonna have to really come up with a way to do this through the summer. Like, it's gonna be a little wild. We just have to figure out a good a good way to do it virtually. That's all. You don't think I should just bring the 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 sound wire to camp and just drive up once a week? Um, I, I just, you have to be like ready for like anything. everyone to walk in at every time. I lose no, how it goes. Like we're we going like- to have to, we'd have to find a good spot for it in camp and then to get an hour's worth of, or an hour. Yeah. I'm saying like it, it could take a whole day. I just see how it goes. Like random people are going to be walking in every time. I don't get to just like block out an hour of my day. You know what I mean? It's not what, even if we found a secret place in camp, I'm just saying like, I don't, what if we did it on the golf course near camp? But I, I, then um, you're just adding time to that window. You're, it's or like four in the morning. Four in the morning. We could we could find an hour and a half. Good luck to everyone at my morning meeting the next day. So <laughs> be like grouchy and gross. Anyway, um, um, very excited for today's interview with Stefan Tiadosic. He's actually coming into the office today, and um, we're we had him on before. It was a popular episode, 
It was episode five. For those of you who missed it, we had him on with Jody Sperling back in the day. And, in the um, thick of COVID, also, yeah, I'm but, very excited for this. But one. I think he needs the spotlight on him. We have to just, you know, we have to, we have to, we have to put the pressure on him. Ask the hard hitting questions. He's going to try to ask us questions. I know so. we have to, we have to stay in control. We have yeah. to write the ship. Yeah. Make sure we, yeah, he make sure we, we have the wheel. Yeah, he cannot hijack it. Yeah, and if he actually manages to do so, that's kind of very sad on our part because we're two people and he's one. Yeah, that's true. But he, he is that strong mentally. Yeah, like he, he's that. He has that ability to do that. Yeah, he can take over. If you know him, he's he's Stefan. We'll have to be like, s- just stay in your lane. I lo- he's he's a great friend. I'll have to he's go like full on LeVar Ball. Yeah. Stay in your lane. No, I, I'm excited to have him in because I feel like there's a lot of things that in the first episode that I wanted to cover that we didn't really have a chance to do so. And to have the opportunity to have him in the studio to really press on some of those questions. I, I'm looking forward to that. All right, well, let's get to it. Um, we now welcome to the show first time reoccurring guest other than Ari's dad. Well, he Second wasn't really time, a guest, so right. He also kind of just pushed his way on. We like, yeah, we like yeah. it that way. We'll keep and um, sec, uh, second time in studio guest. I'm not even sure how to what, what you want. What's his title now? I don't know. Well, he's here, so he can introduce himself. Um, it's, and it is really exciting to be face to face. Yeah, it's nice. It really, you'll see, it's gonna the dynamic of the conversation is gonna be um, exponentially better. Um, because we get to, we get to press is what I like to, I like to think about it. We really get to press. Anyway, you're not going to get, you're not going to get, you're not going to get away with this much now. You're not, I, I mean, that's, that's for, what, that's what 990 is known for on the street though. The hard hitting questions. Yeah. We only yeah, have and, go, and going yeah. deep yeah. enough to be, to be impactful. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Coach, so, consultant, former camp director, executive director, works with tons of organizations, Jewish and non-Jewish. Educator, professor. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I forgot about that. All around, okay. good, all, what, around, all around. Where good is guy. where is Spurtis right now? Just say now? his name. Oh, you haven't said his name yet. No. Oh, Stefan Tiedosik. Welcome, welcome, to, the welcome studio. to the studio. Hi, everyone. I have to tell you, being in the studio, the first time that we did this was transformational and amazing and outstanding. Being it pales in comparison to being live with you guys doing this. Uh, the first time we did this, we had um, Jody. Yeah. Jody was yeah. on also. And it was right in the beginning of everything. I, actually, well, on that note, I think Jody needs to come back also. As a I know. Jody guest. also needs to be separate. A, but separate. Uh, separate yeah. I listened to the interview last week to make sure we weren't going to double up on any of the conversations we had the first time. Mm-hmm. And looking back at it, that was a fantastic interview. But there are so many things that we did not talk about that I want to talk about. So I for sure. Before you continue, I just want to yeah. point out, like, at that point, we thought we were, like, so brave because we were like, we're not going to talk about COVID on the podcast. And like, no, let's talk about COVID on the podcast. That and was like, the thick of COVID. A year later, it's like we're still in COVID, but it's almost over, hopefully. And um, we don't have to talk about it. So. Yeah. So I want to make sure that today we talk a lot about it, strategic planning. Is That's everything, really is everything co- COVID informed, though? Like the lens of COVID. Even if we're not talking about COVID, it's COVID informed. What do you yeah. mean? I'm not sure I mean, what means. it's still impacting, I think, yeah, most Yeah, I think it's a lens. Right. Yeah, well, we think about it, but like it doesn't like, uh, like I guess, like encase our lives. Yeah. Uh, Speak for yourself. I was going to say, I think it informs a lot of stuff, but it doesn't have to define everything. Right. Yeah. I think it's, we're, li- we're living, we, then we were trying to figure out how to live with it. Now I think we're just kind of living with the reality as I do still believe we're on the tail end yeah. of this pandemic. Um, but wow, have things, have things changed since, since that last. Well, interview. for one, we're here. That's true. We're sitting here. All right. Let's do a recap because I don't think we got much into it the first time. Yep. Um, and um, and that would be your background. How did you get into what it is that you do today? Maybe even mention um, maybe like an influence or two that you feel like really kind of pushed you into the direction of working in communal work. So it's really interesting. And at 
the same time, I think everyone has really interesting stories that get them to where they are. So I think it's it's meaningful to me, obviously. You know, I grew up, my dad's not Jewish and my mother is. You know, my last name's Teodosic. And they got divorced and that was the first summer I went to a Jewish summer camp. And a nonprofit Jewish summer camp. And I wanted to be a camp director when I was like 16. And I wanted to work in the nonprofit space. I didn't know that those were the words. I've known you for a long time. I actually yeah. didn't know that about yeah, you. So you knew from a young age that you wanted to work in camps camp professionally? Was, camp was everything to me. Like, I, wow. my parents had just gotten divorced. It was my Jewish identity. It was the How life skills. I was eight and a half when okay, I first went. Wow. Wow. Right. And so I got camp. I'm like the poster child. Camp gave me everything that it's supposed to give you with life skills and, and identity and all of the all of the skill stuff. And so, you know, and, and I went to Michigan and I lived with a bunch of guys. And they, they're like, you know, camp director is not a job. You can't do that. And I became a consultant and I got an MBA and I went to New York and I was doing strategy for America Express. And I was at the World Trade Center on September 11th. I was in the courtyard when the first plane hit. And that for me was a real wake up call and a moment of clarity at a young age that if it's going to go down like this, I want to be doing what I'm really passionate about. It was about impact and giving back. And so within a couple of months, I had quit broken up with the girl I was seeing, moved out of my apartment, moved to Chicago, got, got on with a smaller camp, Camp Young Judea Midwest here in Chicago. And I was there for a few years and then moved to Bieber. And we then bought Pearl, Bieber and Perlman from B'nai B'rith and it, really an amazing team of people. They're doing some transformational stuff. And At that uh, point in, yeah. the, in the transition, were people like, like were your friends and like your like your people close to you like weary of what you're doing like why are you making all these rash like rash changes? No, not weary. I think there was some convincing of certain people in my family and friend group because they didn't understand it. But I went about it very thoughtfully in terms of this is why I'm doing it. Here's the plan. Here are the non-negotiables in terms of like rent and life and relationships. And it was a very laid out plan. And I think your friends and family want you to be safe and happy and successful. And I was able to tell a narrative at that age, like, this is a plan. It's not a knee jerk, right? And I think so much of what I do now is based on that same thing. You can come to these big moments and have them not be impulsive and have them be super strategic. And so, you know, all of the time doing camping as a director and then as an exec, um, side consulting a little bit, one gig at a time and really based out of passion and, you know, being involved in the association of, of independent Jewish camps and a lot of really cool stuff, just getting to a place where, you know, needing to move on and do something different. And I'd got, I had the muscles from the 9-11 pivot and now doing it again um, and consulting full time. And really, like you said at the beginning, it's a lot of strategy and vision work, coaching, strategic advising and strat planning uh, and teaching. And it's, it's great. And I love it. I don't want to hang on this point too much, but when you made the initial 9-11 pivot, were you planning it before and this was like the final straw or like it was just... It was so just I was going to ask a similar question. Like what was... what? Was it that day? Was it two weeks later? Was it just uh, the general post 9-11 feel? And like, wh what was the first phone call you made? Like how, Yeah, it's a big, I mean, that's, it is a big change. Yeah. And it's the folklore of what is Stefan Teodosic. Yeah. yeah, well, and that was the interesting thing about redefining myself this time. How do you redefine yourself after being the 9-11 camp pivot guy? Right. Right, so, but I'd always thought about it. Remember from 16, I wanted to do this and I sort of convinced myself based on others, which again, the, the advice to everyone is like, it, there's nothing sadder than living someone else's dream. Right? right, like, so figuring that out is, there's a lot of calculus there. But I would take my vacations, Legit, I would go back and run the CIT canoe trip in Algonquin wow. for Camp Tamarack when my buddies were going to St. Bart's. And they would say, well, what are you doing for vacation? And I would tell them, they're like, that's not vacation. What are you doing? You know, it's like a work release program or something. Right. <laughs> um, but so I was always thinking about it and I looked into like teacher's college, um, you know, these master's programs for working with kids. And so it was always there. This was the catalyst that happened. 
And, you know, you think people, it's hard to change people sometimes. These cataclysmic events are, you know, a thousand hours on a therapy couch, you know, get right. you there. But this was one of those things that, you know, truly had unlocked this conversation that was lying right. dormant, like a cicada, right? Very relevant for us yes. right now here. Yes. And it kind of popped up. Put and then back. from there, but I took like a 75% pay cut and I drove across country and I got on working 20 hours a day for a couple months to get camp up and running um, in a camp that needed some support. And it was the best ever. Who was you the know? first person you told when you decided that you were going to make that pivot? My mom. Your mom. Yep. And it was support from the beginning? Uh, always my biggest champion. And, awesome. And she, she's so funny. And when I told her, she's like, I won. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean you won? She's like, I knew that this was going to be something like the corporate thing wasn't her jam. Not that right. she didn't respect it, but she was. Well, she was her jam for you. For, no, but she worked in an art museum. She was okay. an educator. My dad was a pretty hardcore business guy. And so and they had gotten divorced. And so there was an interesting narrative of I won underneath. But, right. you know, but she was the first, always my biggest supporter. And so knowing what the non-negotiables were in the worst case scenario at that age was, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to be okay. And what am I going to do? I've got to sort of take this leap of faith and be courageous. And you can't be courageous without fear. And like, go do this and give it a try. What was, was it like an instant fulfillment? Yeah. You found yourself sitting there at, at a desk as the camp director, and then you're like, I'm in my my happy place. Yep, exactly right. And then, you know, 18 years later, knowing that it's, you know, things, not that it runs their course, but as you evolve and there's a life cycle of the organization and you and how does the org need the right person for its life cycle and how does the person be right for what they're doing and understanding that it's okay to make change and how do you do it in a wise-hearted way. And, and uh, you know, so that's what I think tried to do with this move as well and to, to doing something that, I'm really passionate about, and I'm, I, I'm really excited. My daughter's going to Bieber this summer for That's the first awesome. time. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, I'm now a parent and a donor and a supporter of the camp, not a professional, and it's it's an amazing organization, and the people there are spectacular, the board, the staff, everyone. Yeah. So did you did you apply to any other camps? Did you look at any other camps? You could be honest. Did you think about sending her to uh, Tamarack? I'm curious. No, 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 always. No, no, Bieber is, you know, I'm insanely proud of what we built. I know what they do. And we grew up there as a family. She grew right. up going to Bieber and I have cousins that are counselors there and right. a family that works there. And so, yeah, absolutely. Did you have to have like a talk with her about like, you know, you're not, you know, you're not, you're going to be like just another, absolutely. I actually delayed telling the kids that, that I had, you know, moved on from Bieber. Just, I didn't know. Oh, really? well, I went through this phase of like, how do you redefine yourself? Knowing that it was the right move for me, for the organization, for everything. Really going through that conversation with myself about like, okay, so who are you now? And my buddy told me, it was really interesting. He's like, you know, you're evolving. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, evolution is a painful process in nature. Does this hurt? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're evolving into something. Right. Stick with it. Like hold your space and stick with it. And Not, that's when I got into the visioning, though. I had done it in my organizations, and I was taught how to do it. And I did it on myself. I literally did it on myself and right. wrote a vision and then wrote the plan. And I'm like, wow, there's something here. I mean, it's funny. As we talk about all these things. And then I started a new business. Right. So I was about to say, so as we talk about all these things, and we're going to talk now about a bit what you do right now, like it's interesting that so much of your story in the last 20-something years has really kind of coalesced into what it is that you bring to the organizations that you work with. Yeah, well, and it's, I'll tell you, it's it's funny, even teaching. I'm not like a teacher. I'm a practitioner who's learned a lot by succeeding and failing, and I'm sharing that and involving the group in learning together. As a consultant, you know, I'm, and consulting's a four-letter word sometimes, so what yeah. does it mean to be a member of a team versus a consultant? But I've been an exec. I've been a national and a local lay leader. I've been a consultant. Uh, I have for-profit and not-for-profit experience, so probably, you know, trying to be empathetic and bring that to the table. I can empathize with whomever I'm working with because I've been in that chair, which is a little bit unique thing. And it's interesting that, you know, consulting without having had experience for me is always an interesting conversation. Right. I've done this for 20 years, so I know enough to be dangerous, and I screwed up enough 
to allow people to learn from that by being vulnerable and sharing it. Right. I just want to go back to your point about identity. So for me, like, so when I had my hiatus from this job, like I never felt like myself. I felt like, like my identity was just messed up. And like, even though you were doing the same, uh, technically the same, I was doing the same job, but like, but like my identity was just out of whack. And like, when I came back, it just felt like I was back being myself. I used to use the example, the, the analogy of like, when I got to camp, when I got back to camp, it just felt like breathing naturally. Like it just right. felt so right. Everything went on, you know, you breathe and you blink without thinking about it. Right. It's one of those, like, it just felt so good and everything made sense. And then you it find was super clear. And then you find yourself in the summer, sleep deprived, hungry. And yeah, people, people ask me like, like, what are you looking forward to most about going back? I'm like, just like wearing a hoodie again. <laughs> We could we could accommodate you yeah. for that like yeah. anytime. Really, that's what it was. It was exciting. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. back to the point. Let's but, go. But I will tell you, like the firm that I started, it's called Maverick Soul yeah. Consulting, and a lot of that was, you know, I took this personality test way back when that one of my staff members gave me, like kind of like a Cosmo quiz sort of mm-hmm. level thing that it was. And what are you? And it was Maverick. And I thought about it like going to business school only after a few years and quitting America Express and following my passions, like sending these maverick moves and being a 26 year old camp director with a lot of really experienced, wise, uh, sort of older directors being like that maverick and um, realizing that that's an okay thing to be all of the time, as long as it's values driven and strategic and respectful and you can be authentic to yourself and how do you unlock that for leaders and organizations and Maverick isn't like a negative thing or going against the grain. It's like just being true to yourself and to your organization and sort of really leaning into that. And it's been, it's been pretty awesome. How how long does that personality test take? I, I think it was like a 10 minute or so you're saying we should take one on the air. There's tons. There's tons. Can we do it on the air? Oh, like, you and I for another we'll it, segment? We'll do it live on there. I'm not you, sure. You could do a running segment on assessments and tests in different there's ones. Tons, there's tons of them. I think that we should be doing 10-minute personality I know. tests on there. I mean, I'm just... There, like are, there, are, of, there are companies now that are having idea. candidates take them before they hire well, them. They, there's a, BuzzFeed makes its living off of it. Like, what kind right. of transformer are you? Right. What kind of food are you? <laughs> what kind of Harry kind Potter of, character like, are you? Okay, yes, exactly, exactly right. And, and, you know, so there you go. Okay, but by the way... What Harry Potter character are you, Sruly? Yes, yeah, Sruly. What Harry Potter character are you? Wow. Because uh, I'm looking across the table here at a very wizened, seasoned, bearded fellow. There's like a Dumbledore. I error. am definitely not. I feel like I'm like, uh, I'm kind of like Cedric Diggory. I was going to say you're like one of the. You, you, you know what? There's, the a, there's, some no, there's some knowledge on Harry Potter that you just dropped on us because that's not like a tier one character. No, it's not. But I also don't feel like I look at the tier one characters and I'm like, I'm not the tier one characters. I'm just not. Maybe an easier question would be, what house would you be in? Maybe yeah, that's e- easier. easier. That's, that's, that's I'd probably easy. be in Ravenclaw. I well, mean, I'm a little edgy like that. <laughs> um, before we talk about, I just anybody I, else want to go? What? Which which house? Yeah. I'm in the bad one. Which is the one with the snakes? You're, you're, Slytherin. I don't think you're in the bad. One. I think you think you are, but you're yeah, not. Yeah, I know. But that's what makes him like. That's why. That's he, whatever. I answer the question. That's why I ask. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my take. Um. Okay, before we go and talk about a lot of different things that are really, I think there's a lot of value for the listeners to hear. I just want, I want to press back on one thing. Yeah. Like, what was it? You, you, the, I think everyone talks about, okay, here's someone who went from a corporate lifestyle to a non-for-profit lifestyle. Um, oh, what's that? Can I go back? Yeah. You know, I think, I think I'm Lupin. What? I don't know who that is. Lupin's like the professor who's like, he's like, he's, he's a werewolf at night. He's got his issues, but like, he's really a good guy. 
Oh my gosh, I'm so happy you said that. And I Do you feel me on that though? I, I have yeah. a, I have a question because I thought A, is his microphone going bad and is this a tech comment? Is it responding back to the two thousand era rapping little no, John no, pre no, 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 and no. he's looping? Or is it like I'm looping <laughs> loop the fiasco? character? I was literally I was excited to see where you were gonna go with it. No, I think I'm I think I'm looping. I think that's Professor my Professor Lupin. Professor Lupin, yeah. He means well. He's got some he's got some skeletons in his closet and he's just he's just trying to take care of business. He's trying to make an impact. So you're a werewolf at night. He was also one of the revolving defense of the dark arts teachers right, in the yeah, third book. He, yeah. yeah, he's got some stuff going on. Don't we all? Yeah. Don't we all? Um, inspiration. You mentioned you took about a 75% um, pay cut. Yeah. So in those moments, yeah. like what do you think it was looking back on it that really, like where was that inspiration? Was it? I know you mentioned your mother. Um Camp gave me everything. Like I said, the, the intense drive to find a vehicle where I could give back in a meaningful way after that kind of catalyzing experience. And for me, it was always camp. Like it was just always camp. And that's morphed into now understanding that it was always about communal work or it was about impact. And at that age, I didn't have the language for that. Right. But, you know, and, and camp still runs the marathon for me. But now I think this age and thinking about where I can best be of service and living a life of service professionally is working with leaders and organizations um, and scaling my impact that way. And I'm excited to not be the guy. I want to be the guy behind the guy for a while or the right. guy behind the girl, whoever the leader is. Right. I don't want to be, you know, I want to help and not supervise people necessarily and not report right. to a board of directors and just dive in with organizations and help them with what they need right now. It's a good plug for Jewish camp, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And send your kids. So, uh, yeah. And donate and, yeah. and have your kids be staff. Jeremy Fingerman, if you're listening. Um, it's a good has plug he been on the Jewish podcast camp. yet? He has not. But anyway, I, good plug for Jewish camp. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and I will say, like, the vision stuff now is morphing and evolving. Like, I'm doing it on my own. I'm partnering with Amy Schiffman at Evolve Giving Group, and we're doing some really cool vision shout stuff. Shout out to Evolve. And, absolutely. We're them. I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, with, I'm, a, I'm a client of Evolve. Yeah, working yeah, and, with and, and, the and I'm right working now. with them as well. And, you know, we're doing some really exciting stuff. And I'm also, you know, thinking about how, where does it go from here? Because I think through the pandemic, what we've seen is this idea that, Strat planning is real hard right now. Visioning is a different animal. It allows you to get some control over things. It allows you to really align people and have ownership around what the future could look like. And then you design strategy from there. And we could talk about sort of what visioning is. I know you've got some, some thoughts and some questions, but I have to tell you, like, I've never been more excited about a topic. Like I'm evangelical about this stuff. Like it's more than an ambassador. Like it's so powerful and envisioning is a gift that anyone can do. And again, I didn't come up with it. I just was taught a certain way and I'm, I'm doing it and just, I've watched it change people and organizations. It's amazing. I don't know if it's having you in here or just having you on the show that like, I feel, I wish like we could take callers. You know what I mean? If yes. you were live. I was also going to say that I feel like our energy's up. No, but I, I feel like there's so, I, I want, I'm like trying to think if I was an organization or someone who was involved in nonprofit or just enjoying this conversation, like what would the questions for you be? So the first question that pops into my mind is really vision. Yeah. I think there are so many people that are doing a good job at what they do mm -hmm. or they're seeing other people do a good job at what they do. And they, they maybe have not actually put pen to paper. Yep. Um, about what their vision is, where they see themselves, where they want to be, where they want the organization to be. Why in, 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 yeah, in, in your thoughts and feelings yeah. and opinion, why is that so important? Uh, so it's funny what you said, you know, the difference between an idea and a plan or a vision, it's written and it's shared, right? And so people have a lot of thoughts and they think a vision is a pithy vision statement on a website, which it can be distilled into that, or they think that it's an idea that they have, or they, they conflate it with a vision, and a mission and they mix it up. But as I was taught, like a mission is your why. 
It's your guiding star. Like, what's the mission of this podcast? Mission. Um, the mission of the podcast is to inspire and highlight people that have chosen to work in in the non for profit space. Great. So, do you ever achieve- mission? I'm, I'm mission yeah. based. Yeah. Do you ever achieve that work. mission? Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. But do you ever achieve it and complete it and you're done? Oh, oh no, no, no. Then that mission can never be correct. Right. So missions are evergreen, right? You never achieve it. Mm. You strive for yes. it all the time. Yes. Strat planning is a how. So you've got why and how. Strat planning is very tactical. And so people try to go from the mission to the strategy and it misfires. What they're missing is that nice big fat middle of the vision, which is what, where, and when. And so if you look at like the mission is your guiding star off in the distance, like you're a sailor, the vision is the way station every three years and you stop and reassess. And then you chart your course towards the mission and chart your course. The strategy is how you do that cycle, right? And so the way that I know about visioning is it's aspirational, right? It's not fantasy, but it's aspirational and it's realistic and maybe a stretch. It's written and it's shared, like I said. It's provocative, but it's not threatening. And it allows people to rally around something and align. And then if you're aligned around a vision and you do the work to get there, writing a strategic plan is painfully easy. The, the hills you want to die on and the battles you're going to fight around aligning around the vision, like where are we going and what do we want to be? How to get there, it's like a GPS. If you know where you are and where you're going, it spits out five ways and you pick one. Right. That makes the most sense. Um, right? A friend of mine has a phrase that he's been known to say, um, regarding uh, how you should uh, live your, your lifestyle. And he says that you should um, live within your dreams, but outside of your means. So that's a pretty bad way to live your lifestyle in terms of your finances, but it might be a good way to, to run, your run, your, run your organization. Well, I think, I think what, I, what I hear in there is it's, you need to stretch. Right. V- remember I said like visions are aspirational, written and shared. They're fantasy or they're not fantasy, right? There's some reality in it. So when you write a compelling vision and the way you do it, right? A leader writes a vision, and in a nonprofit, it's the exec. It's actually what you hire an exec for is to have a vision. The board supports it and is involved in it, so a leader writes a vision, a draft. Then you have five or six people of key staff and board members who then look at it and help rewrite it and revision it, and they become owners and champions. Then you've got that group that then takes it to the board for a final revision, and then think about it. Everyone's aligned. There's ownership transfer. Writing a strategic plan after that is actually really not as painful or as confusing or as difficult as people think. And I think simple and complex are opposites and easy and hard are opposites. I want to make things simple and hard. And then let's, let's agree that we can do hard things, right? It's like, whether I say to my kids or to an exec, like think about the hard stuff y'all did during the pandemic, really hard stuff, writing a vision and doing a strat plan for an organization or managing our people. Like we can do hard things. We have to simplify this. Right. I mean, it's interesting what you're saying because you're drawing this distinction between a vision and, and sort of goals. Because everyone, when we talk about goals for organizations yeah. and companies, everyone says, well, make sure it's attainable. Make sure it's attainable. That's the A in smart. That, that, yeah, and smart. Um, but it's almost like when it comes to a vision, it's not really the, it's not necessarily a guiding principle, attainable. It's an idea of really where, what are we dreaming for? What are you shooting for? What are you aiming for? Um, and, and there could be a long sort of runway to get there. Yeah, And that's the hard thing to, to sort of shift your mindset. Everyone gets into the, how are we going to get there? We, right. You have to like willing suspension of disbelief that if you create a vision that is aspirational and realistic and is a stretch and people align around it, you can write a plan to get there. So in a lot of the, the conversations, it's hold space and just forget about the how, but what you do is you write a story three years or so in the future and you pick an actual date. And you say where you are and you're reflecting on the last three years of whether it's this 990, 
Where's nine? I was gonna say we need, we, need, we need a case study, right? But yeah, you write, so, so you would write a story study. three years from now, and are you would take the first cut. This is where we are. This is how many listeners. This is how much money we're raising. This is the impact we've had. These are the guests we have. It's written in the present tense. You're living in that. You're writing it Reality. as if you're living yeah. it, right. and then you write a plan on how to get there. And you think, and there's the way you do it is you prime the pump. You have conversations about the macro things in the world that are affecting you, the life cycle of the podcast, your strengths and weaknesses, big successes, and you prime the pump, and then you write. And they call it the hot pen technique. You write for 30 minutes without stopping, and the vision starts to come out of you. Then you revise it. And oh, that'd come be back a scary. That's a scary thought. Yeah. Me writing for thirty minutes. Oh, what would they yeah, say? But, 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 just continue. But on the flip side, Correct. how do our meetings go? For we talk, we say, "What's our vision for the podcast?" We go, "I don't know." But this gives you a. But this gives you a framework. Uh, we should get swag. Yeah. But this gives you. By the, and by the way, yes, merch. you totally should. And we should get merch. But, but, I, we but I think the conversation is really about the vision gives you a platform to bring up really difficult issues and talk about them in a safe way and come to agreement and challenge each other. Like I love the phrase hug and wrestle, mm -hmm. right? Like it's a very Jewish thing, knee to knee, hugging and wrestling with concepts, right. right? And so you hug and wrestle with these ideas and then you get by and then you do it. You mentioned goals. This vision isn't like Jerry Maguire where you print it out and put it in the mailbox and it's your manifesto. Like right. that's not it. This thing then becomes a case for support. It becomes marketing material. It becomes... The strategic, because what the vision will have is the priorities, core values, and then you write goals, right? initiatives, key performance indicators, owners, timelines. That's all strat planning, and we get hung up on goals. Goals are amazing, but towards what end? And if you say towards the mission, it's too big. It's the vision that we need, and we're missing this cycle, and we're trying to figure it out all in strat planning, and that's why it's like plans sit on shelves. Because they're not aligned around where you're going and there's no ownership. Right. And it's just interesting when you think about that idea of what does it really mean to be a visionary? This is something that everyone can do. And it's not just orgs. You could have a vision process for your family vacation. You could have a vision process for, for this summer. For lunch today. Exactly right. But it, this idea of what would it mean, and here's the crazy <laughs> thing, what would it mean to teach visioning to your unit heads for their areas this summer and specialists? What would it mean to have the bunk counselors think about what's the vision for their summer and then coming up with a plan? You can actually get kids to vision some stuff. The right. language might change, but it's the idea of like thinking about what the future could look like and what success is and then having an intentional plan to get there. And we're rewired, we're wired differently. You know, we're wired really differently and we got to figure it out. What, what do you think is the biggest obstacle for an organization or a company when they're thinking about the vision? Is it this goal piece? Is I think they're not thinking about the vision. I think they're thinking, a lot of times you've probably seen like, we need to redo our mission. Yeah. We need to do a mission redo. I believe, and I'm not necessarily right. I believe 99% of all missions are fine, always. It's the vision that's lacking and they get into a mission rewrite when they all they need to do is come up with a vision to leverage towards that mission. Mm -hmm. And if the mission really does change, that's a seismic thing within a nonprofit that the board is really involved in. But like, look at your mission. Maybe it's vanilla. Maybe you could reword it in wordsmith. But at its heart, that mission probably runs the marathon. You don't have a vision. It's a very interesting point. I mean, I think so many people look at all these things, mission, vision, goals, and it just kind of is mushed together. Well, you asked the reason. Say, like, if I, like, I'm thinking like, like, you go like organizational websites, it's like mission and vision, and they're basically the same. 
or goals well, and initiatives a, or honestly, strategies and priorities. Like all the language gets conflated. Right. 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 Well, if you're listening to this, I'm like laughing in my head thinking about this. It's well, like ridiculous. Because right. if you're if you're listening to this and you run an organization and you have a tab on your website that's mission and vision and it's one paragraph, paragraph right? Then you might have a problem. But 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 I would say this: if you took that story idea and distilled it down into a paragraph, because I actually think it does have to become right. consumable. Yeah, that's true. And marketable. But I would guarantee that almost all of them, that's not what happened. They had some consultant who came in and said, let's do visioning. And it was boiled down into some direct extension of the mission, which it can be. But that still doesn't give you the guiding that, that sort of what do we want to be in three years that we're planning towards? There's not enough depth and detail. When you use consultant that way, it sounds like a four letter word. Well I, well, I was taught that a consultant in its worst case is, is someone who steals their watch and tell, steals your watch and tells you what time it is. <laughs> And I aspire to not. Good. I aspire to not be that. Why is that? Why you think consultants get a bad rap? Yeah, and I think there's so many brilliant, amazing consultants that were practitioners or have a passion for helping. Wait, or have so, a so, skill. What would, so what would you, what would be your parable for a good consultant? A teammate with a time limit. A rent, yeah. And I, that's what I put on my By website. Well, that's but that doesn't I put sound it, good enough. Well, okay, but it's that's what I put on my website. But what I would say as a consultant is consultants have deliverables. They do different things. But I want to be for the length of the engagement deeply ingrain myself to the level that's appropriate as a part of the team and you do work and you have clarity and you're a part of that culture and then you deliver and you move on and there's a really great relationship that's built and people feel good about it it's not i think the 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 the, the consultants that people i think don't feel great about are they give you a deck there's not a lot of implementation it's it's kind of murky they don't know how to implement it you know and again i'm a big believer that consultants are incredibly important now more than ever for the next several years. But what does it mean to be a part of an organization for X amount of time as a key partner? And consulting is different than coaching. It's different than advising. It's different than teaching. And what does it really mean to meet, to get people's needs met organizationally? And that's why I think the vision's exciting. I was always taught that people um, get their needs met positively, negatively, or by accident. But they always get their needs met. How do we find out what people's needs are stated and unstated and then help them get them met in a positive way? That's it. Simple. Yeah, that's a Stephanism, by the way, that line. Huh. Um, once we're talking about this, what are your, what are your thoughts on consultants? Like sort of towing that line of creating an accountability, but not being overbearing on, on, on organizations they work with. Cause I've heard consultants say that that's a big challenge. They want to be creating a lot of accountability, but they also don't want to be, you know, overbearing and, um, and, and stepping out of their lane. Well, and I think for me, this comes down not only to the fit, like, should you take jobs or not as a consultant I found is really important. And I don't think there's, there doesn't need to be a competitive narrative, much like you and I spoke about when we ran camps together, get the kid to the right camp and it's going to be great. Get the org to the right consultant and it's going to be great. And there's enough business for everyone mm -hmm. and not taking a job that either isn't my deep skill set or doesn't make sense. I don't ever want to figure something out while I'm working for a client. I don't think that's appropriate. And I think that happens a lot. And so what does it mean not only to do the right fit assessment, but then it's about trust, much like a team. You have to build trust very quickly and allow people to be vulnerable. So what is the level of accountability? What are we really trying to do? Are we on the same page? How can we be candid and really thoughtful and, and build trust? That's the teammate thing. The best consultants that I know build a ton of trust, not just based on their reputation, but the way that they do work and build relationships. And I think if you unlock that, the rest of it actually, again, becomes pretty easy. Because everything comes back to trust at the end of the day. Right. Okay, I want to move back to the case study though, because I want to, I want, I want to, I want to come out with something concrete here for us. Okay. So let's 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 get going on that. So we we uh, we're a podcast. And yeah. We, we talk about this all the time. Um, yeah. That we need to get better. 
So uh, let's do that. So what I would say then is the con the questions like priming the pump, right? And first of all, it's also you have to be ready to do it, right? You can't take a, a recalcitrant exec or board and do this. It's like dragging a donkey up a hill. Like it doesn't happen. So you guys are ready. And that assessment, like we're ready to do this and make this investment. Cool. I think we'll be ready after the summer. <laughs> Done. Okay, but that's it. Like you wouldn't do this right now because you don't have the, the time. You can't commit to it. You have to be ready. Well, let's see what does it that, is first. It depends, it depends what it is first. One second. Does that happen a lot that organizations, companies, they come up with a strategic plan. They find themselves like, well, wait a minute. We can't do this. A lot of times. And that's why plans sit on shelves. Right. And that's why strat planning, especially in the nonprofit space, it's like the boogeyman that you have these multiple meetings and committees and it's like this major heavy lift and it's awful because it doesn't ever yield anything. Oh, we tried that and it didn't work. I think it's gotten a bad rap and it's actually really critical. Strategic planning is really critical. How it's been done in the past, I think has been either been wildly successful or has been lacking. There's not a lot of middle ground. Do you, I asked before, like there are some companies, organizations that do really well without maybe a stated vision or a shared vision. Are they just stumbling into success? Um, I, I, I think that's probably unfair. I think they probably have a very strong culture, which is knitting them together. They've got really strong leadership who's... Right, there could be, has, there could be good people that work there. Correct. Yeah. That, that well, do things well. They have leadership, resources, and culture, and they have good communication. There's trust and alignment. There's accountability and transparency. But in lieu we know of the plan... The, we, we know who these organizations are. Like You can look around. You know which organizations have certain qualities and certain poor qualities, and you know why they run and but, why they don't. But you know what the thing is? The strat plan in that case is if you had the vision and the strat planning, what more could you be doing and what are you leaving on the table by not having it? So things well, so can that, be really, right, really that's great. that's the next question is, right. is even those organizations that are doing well probably would benefit... Uh, greatly from some sort of actual strategic plan. And, and I would say vision first. And I think this is right, where it's vision. really important. And I would say this, the pandemic has shown a lot of things. And one of them is, is that everyone and every org is chucked into this review and renew bucket of strategy. And what are we doing and how should we do it? And not that we have the answers yet, but you can vision your way out of this and it gives you control and resilience. And that alignment right now, boards and staff up and down the chain are misaligned a little bit. And we're all thinking about going back to work and there's all of this stuff. Visioning can actually bring something that brings people together. The process of visioning is an act of teamwork and collaboration and communication, which we need right now because we're still sprinting a marathon and yeah. no one's got the muscles for it. We're still doing it. Yeah. Although it's getting a little better, right? Yeah, but I, yeah, I think definitely the fatigue is the fatigue is there and people and, are, are trying to still catch themselves. Well, well, and the vision's like the how, you remember that, like how Stella got her groove back? Like yeah. I've watched missions give execs their groove back and give them their mojo a little bit because they can vision. And so you ask like what precludes people from doing it? Permission to be a visionary is a big one. People don't think it's in their purview or their board has not allowed them to be, even though the exact job description in my mind is have a vision and execute it. Right. Yet we don't actually do that. So you look at 990, right back to that. Yeah. You're ready. I would say prime the pump. In the world right now, the macro forces that are affecting 990, without going into detail, what do you think they are? The big things in the world that are affecting 990 and the way it does business or the world it's in. Oh, let's surely answer that. I, I don't view it that way. Maybe this is a mistake. I view it as like an, like a, like an internal issue, not like a... We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. I promise. So I'm going to kick it to Ari. So in the world, what? big things that are affect... And I'll give you some examples, right? Because yeah. it's hard. COVID. Nah, I think that was... I think it helped well, us. I think no, if no. anything, it helped us. Okay, but so I didn't say good or bad. I said what oh. things oh, in the yeah, world yeah. are yeah. affecting 990. COVID and the move to technology and everyone having space and time to be into podcast. Like that's a big thing for you. Yeah. How about like the economy? People are looking sponsorships. People are spending money differently. How does that impact you guys? Um, technology itself. 
Technology is becoming Zoom, the stuff that we're sitting in front of. Oh, the platforms, the sharing, the, the social so media. So you, would, lo you would look yeah. at five or six big macro forces in the world. And then you would say, well, how are those things affecting 990? Just, and you'd, it's a conversation, right? You, and it could be like diversity, equity, and inclusion, the economy, the fact that this is, you know, this might not be a Jewish podcast, but it is in a lot of ways. Yeah. Israel anti-Semitism. I mean, you could pick any mega topic and it's just a lens to think through, right? Right. Then you move from where's 990 in its life cycle? Are you guys a startup? Are you guys adolescent? Are you mature? And in which ways? Not mature. That's for sure. I think we're adolescent. <laughs> why would you say? Yes, I agree. But why would you say that? First of all, because of my age. That's number one. <laughs> number two, because um, it's off the ground. It's going. Um, we're making progress. And uh, I feel like I feel like the teenagers are often the hardest. So like, and that's where we are. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We don't want to be too, think we know everything. But at the same time, we probably think we know too much. Okay. Yeah. And in that, and in that life cycle, I would say to Ari, when you think about orgs now, right? And 990 is an organization in this case, you know, is it about marketing, finance, HR, your product, your sponsors, your number of people? Like, where are you in your life cycle and what do you need to invest in for the next cycle to mature? Right. So and, we, we obviously right? believe that it's in the marketing and the product development. You know, we're still fine tuning Correct. what it is. And, and again, I guess the vision is a big piece of that also. So, but now you see like we're priming the pump towards writing a vision. You think about the macro forces and what matters to us. You think about where we are in our life cycle and what we're good at and what, you know, we're moving into. And then it's the internal. It's a, not a SWOT analysis because again, these things are like, they take a life of their own. Like, oh, right. we did a SWOT and yay for us because we achieved it. A SWOT analysis is a lens to make decisions through, right? So- what are your strengths right now as a podcast? What are the strengths for now? I mean, I think in some ways we're the only, you know, there's not many people doing what we do. I think that so there's not many people doing what we do. I think we actually have some capital right now to invest. Okay. That's also important. I think that um, we, like I said, like, you know, I don't want to harp too much on there not being too much. There's not, there's not, they're not being too much of a similar, uh, I guess, product out there. Yeah. Cause we don't want to, we don't want to convince people to, to compete with us. Right. So, yeah. but you, so what I'm hearing is you guys have a niche. Oh yeah. A product that people want and need. <laughs> you just said that. I think, yeah, I think there's a niche. I think there's a niche and I think that for some reason, whatever reason, people like hearing us talk, which is ridiculous. So, but. so what's the, so what's the asset then? You two, the strength of the podcast is the, the, the talent. And probably. The, that's and probably the, part of it. Yeah. And the niche. I think it's mostly the niche. I really think that there, there is a need. I mean, again, this is why we did this. We did this because we think there's a need for people to tell a story about what it means to work a nonprofit differently than many people perceive it to be. Also, oh, it's just like a hypothetical. And I, this is all a little, like a little specific, but like in our field, like imagine we set up a live show in the middle of the J Camp Data Conference. Yeah, we always think about Like this. what would that look like? Like walking by Navy Pier and seeing the radio through yeah, the window. Exactly. Yeah. I think it'd be, or like, uh, the like or at the Borgata during uh, the ACA where the sports radio guys yes, are in front of the bar. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. I think that would be, by the way, you should be at every conference. Yeah. As an example, imagine I mean, we were sitting there at J Camp okay, so, okay, and just like, Yapping. But this is exactly right. But this so, is but the kind about, of thing that now, goes but, into but a plan. Now think about it. You've done the macro. You've done the, and we didn't do it for real, right? right. But we started macro, org life cycle, strengths and weaknesses. Because I would say like, what are your weaknesses? 
we don't have the, the right technology to really do what we want. We don't have the right guests yet, but we're getting that. Like whatever you would lack say. Of capital, it's, it's time. Well, honestly, honestly, lack of capital. Lack of time. Ca it's lack of time. It's lack of capital. Oh. capital you need is, one or the other. Because well, no, yeah. capital is also a resource now because we have more money, but it's also not enough money. Well, return on investment is time and money, right? Yeah. Always. Right. So, okay. So now we've laid this out. But what Truly just started saying about like, what if we were in the conference at J Camp with everyone running around and we were doing it in the glass box? When you now take all of this stuff and you do the hot pen technique, and I would say the leader writes it first. It's not about um, sort of a, a, a fight of ownership or hierarchy. But you, by the way, you can't write or make decisions by consensus. It's a fallacy. You know, two Jews, five opinions. You, you, yeah. Someone has to take a stab and then with trust, let the people respond to it and rewrite it together. So Ari would take a cut, but in the vision, present tense in three years. And I would say the vision is written at the J-Camp conference in 2025. I'm just making that up. And you've just done the first live show in the middle of the conference and you're reflecting on how far you've come and where you are. So the vision is- So he's like, it's, he can't the, contain the, the smile. Is, is, he's no, so excited. Right, but it's 25 is too far. Okay. Way too far okay. out. Well, no, but no, well, it's not because it's you've, got to, build, so you've got to build towards it. Ari and I are sitting outside after our first live thing. It's so amazing to think how far we've come. This is who we are. These are our guests. Remember I asked you who is, who's a dream guest? I said Shaquille O'Neal. And bringing Shaquille O'Neal on here to Shaq talk about- Shaq is awesome. No, but think about this. Shaq on this talking about his philanthropy. Yeah, why the not? The nonprofits right. he's right, investing right. in. Yeah, but yeah. for Shruli, and this is why you rewrite it in a line, you might Take say- Take that, Joan Gary. <laughs> but by the way, what a dynamic duo. Joan Gary and Shaq, either in basketball or on the podcast. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. So, but, but you know what I mean? You think Joan Gary hoops? Devastating outside shots. I feel like shots. she's Doubt not it. that tall. Doubt it. That's just a vibe I she's get. She's probably like automatic from the corner. That's what I was you know? gonna say. She's she, probably like automatic. She's she, she doesn't in. have much, but from right, the corner, she's like, also fire. also the type that like you like leave her open because you think like she's not gonna she's yeah. not gonna hit, and then she she, she just burns you. And then she Pop. turns around and winks. And, and then she, five <laughs> minutes later, you're down. You're down by twenty because she hit five threes. Yeah. Yeah. She pumps him in, and you go download a shack, and he kicks it back out. Like you can feel see bad where it's for going. all the listeners that don't know who Joan Gary is. Google Go her. I think it'll make it fun. Yeah. But but do you see what I'm getting? Just by that conversation, Shruli got out a visionary thing, and if you agree with him, and then the the core group of supporters of 990, you now have some. I don't know if it's time to give a shout out or not. You know, you have you have some support. Yeah, we that's definitely coming have in. some fans and some support. And, Absolutely. and who are the people that are going to be the first level revisers or champions of your draft vision? Then once you do it, it's written, it's aspirational, and it's shared. And then you start to write a plan towards getting there. If we want to have a hundred thousand listeners and make, I'm making this up, quarter million dollars a year and have this many advertisers so and these low, kind wild. of, I, I, a half a million, a million. But this is your vision. Yeah. How do you get there? with our strengths and weaknesses, in our life cycle, with the macro forces, then you write a plan. But the vision itself, when you guys have that clarity and alignment, you will rock it out of the gate because you're together around it. And that's what's happening with orgs and people. Right. We're misaligned, we don't have a vision, we care a lot, we're super hard workers. We really want this to happen, but we're misaligned. The vision does that. And so you would write this story that then turns into all of the goals and priorities and KPIs and all of the stuff that we're I'm taught. so jacked up right now. That's a good. That's a good dose of Stefan right there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you got now. You got to. You have to turn it into action. What's your plan of action? Uh, we'll talk in August. <laughs> right. But but I'll tell you this. All you have to do, and I like you have to show up heavy for very small amounts of time in this process. Right. You have to commit to spending an hour having a like a curated conversation about like the priming the pump. You have to give yourself a couple of half hour blocks with like a cup of coffee in your laptop or a drink or whatever you do. And I think Yacht Rock probably would be for our most helpful. helpful. Um, 
Like who's not rocking out to Hall and Oates? Yes. Or Toto. Yeah. Right. Chicago. Saturday in the park is like vision music yeah, exactly. as far as I'm concerned. Um, but you write that vision. Truly reviews it with you and you guys hug and wrestle. He'll challenge you and you change some stuff. Wise hearted leadership listens and changes. But the trust that you have with him is he's going to let you take the first crack and then respond to it. Then you've got your five people that you agreed that you want to help. And then you go be it. Yeah. And it's the permission you, to be a visionary is so powerful. Do you find like at what part? I'm sure when you sit down with the organization, maybe it's not the absolute leadership, but maybe it's the tier two, whatever it is. Do you find that like, they're just like not a hundred percent bought in or they feel like it can't be done or, or is like everyone just excited. How, how does that, cause how do you get that sort of get them to kind of believe in themselves, that process? Well, and I think that's why, like we said, that idea of how do you build trust right away? And mm -hmm. I think part of my background gives me some street cred is that I was an exec, a camp director and an exec. And I sat on boards and this is like almost 20 years and I've done it well, and I've made a lot of mistakes and learned from it. So that empathetic conversation with exec to exec, or as a recovering exec, as I like to right, say, like, you know, exec to exec or board chair to board member, you can just have a very candid conversation and be vulnerable about the, the successes and challenges, the things that are hard. And like, I love Brene Brown. I don't know if you guys are like vulnerable leadership. She does okay. a lot of work on vulnerable leadership. And that's where it's at, man. I was taught as a young camp director that you're supposed to not be vulnerable and stay up till three in the morning and grind harder than anyone. Like that's ridiculous. You're supposed right. to work really hard and be vulnerable and bring people in. And what does it mean for a leader to say like, this sounds good. I don't know how to do it. Or I'm not buying in, but I'm curious. I want people to be curious, assume goodwill and investigate. Is there anything you regret from your career? Yeah. Yeah. It's not the choices I made of jobs that I took or didn't take. It's the opportunities looking back that I either missed I didn't see, I didn't have the support or I didn't know what to ask for or that I just flat out thought that I knew what I was doing and I didn't ask for help and I wasn't vulnerable enough, right? So this idea that like I was uh, optimistic and not as realistic as I needed to be or thought that I could develop someone past what they could do and I just thought that I could do it. Can we talk about this vulnerability yeah. a little bit more? Like what yeah. do you, when you say a leader needs to be vulnerable, yeah. what, do, what do you mean by that? Is it like it's just a sheer yeah. honesty with themselves, with others? What, what does it mean to be vulnerable? Well, for me, I think like you said, it's definitely being honest with yourself and with others, creating deep trusting relationships that allow you to talk about things that, you know, as leaders were taught that we're not, we're supposed to have the answers. We're supposed to know we can't show weakness or fear or vulnerability. And that idea of, really allowing yourself to role model that behavior and talk about things that are really meaningful and hard and messy and, you know, not always knowing the answer, but trusting and going through it with your team or like the two of you it takes a lot of vulnerability to start a podcast like this. And people talk about courage. Like it's not just running into a burning building and saving a baby. Like that's courage for sure. Right. It's also starting a podcast on the side. I still hate listening to my voice. And by by way, and also not only that, by the way, we right? were definitely prone to people making fun of us. We got made fun of. But that's being, but putting yourself out, being vulnerable is right. putting yourself out there and being okay with what's going to happen because you trust your partner, yourself. Like, I believe there's nothing more powerful than a person who believes in something and keeps coming. Oh, absolutely. And just keeps coming, relentlessly showing and up. And it's a muscle, by the way. Yeah. It's a muscle that you develop and you, you, you develop a thicker skin. But so and, is visioning. Right. It's a muscle oh, that I you like build. That. And then guess what? You don't need a consultant all the time. This is like teaching a person to fish. And then, by the way, oh, what's plug. fishing tournament coming up, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, and I want to come this year. Yeah, you um, should come. I, I love fishing. Do you um, really? Oh, come on. Oh. I, fishing in right, itself well, is off, great. 
We'll talk. When the record button's off, I'll tell you okay. a nice update. But, but, but the yeah. conversation about, you know, this building a muscle of visioning, you're giving people the permission to do this in cycles. And every couple of years, you're revisioning. You do a plan, you do a vision, then a plan, you achieve it, you do a vision and a plan. But the vulnerability, you know, have you ever heard of the fear-excitement ratio? I don't think so. So, and when you started the podcast, what percentage of you was afraid and what percentage of you was excited? Oh, mm. probably 95.5. Really? Yeah. 95 fear, 95 95 percent? excitement. Okay. Oh, I probably, I didn't, was, even think, I probably no. didn't even think of fear. Yeah, okay, you well, didn't. I did. I was going to say 50-50. Okay, but think because about Because for that. me, the expectation was so low. What, there, there was no risk. Well. But with define risk. Yeah. Your risk is the, what? The risk was nobody listening. What was Ari's risk? I think just uh, flop, embarrassment. I don't know. I mean, thing. even- not nobody listening. Worse would have been people listening and not liking. Okay, it. but that's the vulnerability. The but that's the vulnerability. Right. When you say like you were vulnerable, you put yourself out there to create something that you believed in. You had a vision. It wasn't written and it wasn't shared, but it was visionary instinct, right? Mm -hmm. To do this, and his calculus was different than yours. Right. I think, but together, you guys complement each other. Your strengths, your skills. He's all excitement and, you know, goes after it. You might be a little more tempered, but you allow him to play that role. And Which he, makes sense. Because right. in the early days, you were, you were, you pushed. Yeah. I you mean. still do. I, I still remember the initial conversation and I'm probably the reason why it's still going. Because I, I mean. Oh, for sure. I would have thrown in the towel a few times at this point. Okay. So part of the vision that you guys have is like, what's the structure and staffing you need to make yeah, this go to the next to level? But, in, for but sure. these are all of the things that you think about. And I, I love that conversation about vulnerability, fear and excitement, all this stuff. These are the soft skills. Like when I got my MBA, finance, strategy, marketing, the hard stuff, the, the soft stuff was HR and relationships and org stuff, when we now realize because of the pandemic, it's actually the most important stuff. And if you're sticky with your people and you have trust and you have a community of listeners or whatever it is, you can weather some of these really heavy shocks to the system, right? And yeah. how do you prepare for it? Where do you, uh, where's Stefan Teodosic in 30 years? What's 30? That? Yeah, 20 is too, too soon. Well, 30, I'll be what, 77? Um, you know what the funny thing is? Yeah. Doing this. Not this podcast. That's a long episode. But doing. But <laughs> By if, the way, I, but if I, 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 speaking of long, I was going to say like this is going to be a long episode, and we have to talk about like I, I'm curious to know your opinion on how long the episode should be. Okay, uh, we got By the way, but and we can also do little. We still have other some other to talk spots about. and things. But yeah. here's the thing: I, I, like I said, when I left when I left America Express and I moved into camping, I said like this is where I want to be. And 20 years with in in a field, 15 at one organization is a long time. 30 years, I don't know if you retire from this sort of stuff because if I can keep being humble and getting better at this and learning and helping clients and help meet their needs, I don't think visioning is going to go away. I don't think strategic planning is going to go away. I think the needs of the world are going to change. The needs of orgs are going to change. But if you can be a trusted advisor, partner, coach, teacher, I don't see that having a, a, an expiration date. And But then again, I, I thought camping was going to be the forever job. And right. 20 years might as well be forever in some ways. It's a long time. But I have young kids now, right? And that was a part of my decision and where the org was in its life cycle and, and what the needs were from an exec and, you know, what the relationships were or weren't, you know? So is it 30 years? Wow. Hopefully, you know, healthy and happy. Amen. Married to my wife. My kids may have kids by then, which would be a blessing and would be wonderful. But if they're happy and safe and kind and in the world, you know what I'd love to be? How about this? My vision. I'd like to be a philanthropist by then. I'd like to be able to give time and money to the things that matter to me personally. I like that. 
Okay, we have you in the studio. I would be remiss if I did not ask you this question. Yep. Um, who is the richest person in your phone? In my phone? <laughs> yeah. Is that from a 990 sponsorship thing? Or like, I don't this know if is... I'm allowed to say that because if they hear this, like... I, they probably I, won't hear it. So just, you're safe. I don't know, man. I've got some... I, I, the, I'll tell you this. Don't just answer I'm not the question. Gonna, I, I can't answer the question. Why not? It's like these are just, okay, you know why the people like working with me? How, he, how about this? No, no, hold on. Do you know why people like working with me? Because you're you keep their privacy. Because I'm the vault. Okay, I, I, um, I, I have an idea. Most, how about, let's have a timeout. Yeah. How about you call them? We get them on the phone, and then we have to play <laughs> twenty questions with them to guess who they are. I think the richest isn't going to be the most entertaining. What you want to say is like, who is the mo- who is the most entertaining person I have in my phone is a different conversation. Well, that has influence, but yeah. But I will say, like, I got very lucky. The friends that I made at Michigan, like, really, that like they're big eye bankers, and some are CEOs. Jawan Howard, I see you on your phone. Jawan Howard is not the big nook, though. I was there during Tom the Brady. Fab. Tom I Brady. Was the, I was there during the Fab Five, man. The big nook was in a class of mine. That was Jawan Howard's nickname, the big nook. You want to call, call him? You want, you want to call him? I don't have his phone number. <laughs> and I don't think he'd remember me from one class that we had in a 500-person lecture. Did he show up? Uh, Yeah. He, well, he was probably the tallest person in the room. He's tall. Not hard to miss. I always wonder about those athletes, those collegiate athletes. Lots of stuff He's going like seven feet tall. What? He's like seven feet tall. So No, I know. I'm just saying like showing yeah. up to class yeah. and stuff. And yeah. Well, back then, like people went to school for four years, so like you actually, it wasn't like the one and dones today. Correct. Where like they you were know, just there know, to play basketball. He I'll, probably got a degree. I'll say the the richest person. I'm thinking like without naming names, like there are some people that are the heads of foundations. I would say, yeah, that that are in in my in my phone. Are any of them? Do, do any of them not take themselves too seriously? Yeah, and but that's what I love Get about on the this. Phone. But that's go. what I love about this pot. <laughs> like I'll tell you, I'll do a call in show with you guys or a webinar if that's going to be something in the vision to speak of. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you this. You said that question, like, that's what I love about this podcast. Like, the, ne- the, the outcomes of the nonprofits that we're talking to are non-negotiable, period. Right. They're all important. They're hypercritical. The world is a better place because of nonprofits. They fill the gaps where governments and private entities can't deliver. Like, so much happens because of nonprofits. But this thing is like, remember Ferris Bueller? Yeah. If, you, if you take yourself too seriously, you're not going to get out alive. Right. Like, what kind of life is that? Where's the joy in all of this? And you guys are bringing the joy and making it fun and a little irreverent, but never sacrificing on mission or quality or nonprofits or all that. Like, so when you say like, do they take them too seriously? I think most people do because they're not vulnerable. And it comes back to what you said. Yeah, like, it's an interesting it's thing ar- that would go to, it, it goes together up. with vulnerability. These people, if you always have that shield up, it's, it's hard to not yeah. take yourself seriously. Well, you know what I learned in the pandemic, at least for myself, like the, the armor that I wear is my values. And I strap it on every morning. I thought morning. you were going to say it was your vests. Well, well no, but that you like, listen, I almost thought about like invested consulting. Like what would that be? Oh, that but you know, be but cute. the funny thing is I hired a brilliant woman like uh, Allison Cohn, like shout out to Orange Door Strategies. Okay. And she helped me with branding and, and marketing on my website. And she said like, you're not the guy in the vest at the conference anymore. You're evolving oh. into something. Yeah. And I still am wearing a vest now, which well, is there's funny. A, there's a few but she's vest like, people in But as a, as a consultant, she's like, you can wear jeans and Chuck Taylors, but you're wearing a button down and a jacket. Right. Like you're evolving into something, lean into it, but still be authentic. It was just a funny conversation. How many vests do you have right now in your closet? 12. 12. At least. Do you retire? Honestly, I thought you'd have more. Maybe 15. Why? Why would he? Because he wears it every day. Yeah, twelve is a lot, and also a vest is not something you have to wear once. One no, you day. can wa- you have to wash them, but you can wear them you multiple can, times. You get a few wears, but like average. I've got like the casual, the fleece, the high performance, the right. like. By the way, if you come fishing with us, you better wear a fishing vest, like a real fishing vest. <laughs> Anglers don't wear fishing vests, but it doesn't matter. It's the brand. Can I get Nikila um, waiters? Do we branded do we, waiters? Do we have branded waiters? We have no. waiters. We should, we, brand brand we should get branded waiters. Yeah. Um, you should at least raffle off a pair of high end branded waiters. That'd be fun. 
the high end waders are, are are pretty expensive. We we could have done the what the the bibs when we did the ice yeah. fishing those yeah. bibs. You know, uh, the, I forgot what I was going to ask. You no, know, but so. the one thing that you made me think about, like this idea of like the armor that other than the oh, vest yeah. is my values, and I put them on every day, and I show up relentlessly for my people. Period. And the thing that got me through the pandemic in a lot of ways was gratitude, like practicing gratitude and thinking about values and doing all that stuff. And if you would have asked like 42 year old Stefan, if I did gratitude every day, I would have laughed you out of the gym. Like, right. laugh, like, and now at 47, like it's just interesting. And so much of this was, like I said, the visioning that I did as I went through this, like, yeah, it's for real. If listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to, to reach out? Um, I would say Stefan at mavericksoulconsulting.com. And like I said, I'm also doing that really cool visioning work with Amy and Evolve. So Evolve Giving Group is a great place to go. And Amy Schiffman is outstanding. Um, and get in touch with Ari and Cerulean. They'll know yeah. where to find me. Yeah, yes. And then you get a discount on Maverick Soul Consulting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You right. like I did there, huh? Or your, <laughs> or your local Patagonia. Uh, yeah. Arcteryx now. I'm brand. I'm switching Oh, brands. that's it? Is that like, a, is that like, a, like an endorsement deal? What is that? Oh, that I would, in, my, in my dreams. Like you guys are now endorsed. You guys have ha sponsors. Like I would love to be sponsored yeah. by a Vest company. I wonder, wait, so you're done with Patagonia? Not done with it. It's Because if you are, then you're really done. Like no, that, no, it's that would in, be, a, that's like one more step away it, from camping. It's, just, in the, it's in the rotation. I've got okay. my Patagonia vests, but okay. like I've got different ones. By the way, just so you know, Patagonia is more his Wall Street background than his camping background, just for the record. Really? Uh, vests culture in the finance world is now very big over the last couple of years. It's like the suit of the finance people is a, right. is a, is a Patagonia. logo Patagonia vest. Yeah. Is it really? Well, do you know yeah, that totally. Eve, Eve, It's like the, for the bros. Wait, well, but I, which... But like not, like the, not like the the colored ones. Like gray or black, the high-end knit fleece Patagonia with the logo. Oh, and it was in the uh -huh. Wall Street Journal. And actually, I read some like pushback from Yves Chouinard, who's the Patagonia guy and all of these things. Like, that's not what they want their really? stuff Valley, to be very used similar to They don't brand for it. It's cr Ari, Ari, they, Ari, don't, Ari, they don't yet. Very similar to the Peter Millar bomber jacket that was worn in the previous board meeting that we had. Oh, yes. I hear. <laughs> I hear. All right, Stefan, thank you very, very much for coming on to the show. It's been incredible. It's and always for coming a pleasure in, to have way. you around and to, yeah, do this one no, in person. Thank, I'm incredibly grateful for the time and to talk about something that I'm really passionate about and I think is exciting. But just to see you guys face to face and be back here in the office. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. I'm, it's, it's a joy. I've been focusing on like, how do you spot joy? Like this is joyful. <laughs> yeah, great. this is awesome. And for those that don't know, Camp, you know, Camp Nikki Midwest is uh a lot of our success in the last several years was uh, in no small part to the help of Stefan T. Dosik. So <laughs> thank kind, you in front of everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. So before we get started with the board of directors, I think it's important that we give a shout out to our new intern who's actually not here today. Um, but uh, are you want to, you want to maybe talk a little bit about him? Yeah. I mean, Justin's a great guy. He's a really good hockey player. Um, He's little. He's hard to knock off the puck. And um, we're very excited to have him have him on board. He's currently working on a couple projects. Mm -hmm. um, Including? You should tease it a little bit. I don't like teasing it. <laughs> okay, never mind. Just, just, yeah. stay, just stay. Just everyone stay. Yeah. Uh, pay attention. Yeah, everyone stay. Yeah. Yeah. Ears peeled or yeah. eyes peeled or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, very excited to have Justin on. Happy to. I also feel like we're doing something for the community by having Justin. Like, yeah. it's kind of like a. He's like kind of like a project of ours. You know, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. We're doing him the favor. Yeah, he's going to get more out of the job as intern than we will get out of having him, the yeah, intern. Yeah. Although I could have used a fresh Starbucks today, but is he even back in town yet? I made coffee. You see my coffee wasn't good enough? No, your coffee is actually very good. Your coffee game's gotten better, Yeah, um, believe it or not. 
I still don't think the you Costco, actually know how to measure. I know. First of all, I kind of um, eyeball it, but the, the yeah, Kirkland coffee is not terrible, by the way. I'm just saying in life, I'm not like the best guy at math, um, but I know how to count. And for some reason, when it comes to scooping coffee into the filter, mm-hmm. like I, I feel like I always lose, lose count. count. Is yeah. that a thing? It's, yeah, you have to. Yeah, I don't know. I guess because your hands, you can't use your fingers. <laughs> oh, interesting. Anyway, on that, on that no, there's got to be something else like that in my life. I don't, I can't think of anything else. But it's like every yeah, time the I end get of there, like I'm counting, I'm <laughs> counting out loud. No, but you can use your fingers. It's true. Maybe it is a finger. That's what thing. it is. There's nothing you, wrong with not that. Not to get too Jewish, but do you use your fingers at the end of Nila? Um, I don't necessarily like flick them. Like I don't like open do them. You, do you use your yeah. fingers before the blowing of chauffeur? But um, I again, I don't necessarily like open like open the fingers. You know, like to do that, but like sometimes I'll look at them, yeah, and like I'll, I'll like say, okay, now I'm up to my index, now I'm up to my middle, whatever. Mental, um, yeah. Anyway, I think also- we once spoke about this though, because recently I saw a meme that really resonated with me, which was something like, no one prepared me in my youth to know how often as an adult I would be using my fingers. <laughs> anyway, also on that note, um, very important. Not only do we hire an intern, we've also we're doubling down on our marketing game. So if you're not subscribed to our social media. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, follow us on, like us on Facebook and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe. Yeah. Subscribe. Roast. Also. Yeah. If you want to rate, ro- it, rate it and roast us, we'll read the, if rate it's a good roast. roast. Remember that the roast, if you're going to roast us, it better be good. It yeah. better be five stars. Also, if you're going to roast us, like then we might read it. So it better be good. Be thoughtful. Yeah. If there's some new roasts that come in, I'd be happy to read those. Anyway. So as you can all can see, we're doing a, you know, we're obviously double down on marketing now. So for today's board of directors, we're going to do the, uh, the board directors of iconic ads. Yeah. You want to go first? I have a lot. I don't have so many, so maybe you should go first. Okay. Um, there really was a, a lot of ways I could go with this. And I also, I think I have one honorable mention. Okay. Uh, we're actually going to call it a dishonorable mention, but okay. we'll get to that later. Um, but number one for me on the board of directors of iconic ads is the Dosaki's most interesting man in the world. Yeah. I like that dude. Um, great ad campaign. Everyone knows it. I've never actually tried their product, I don't think. Maybe I have. I, I really don't recall. But I certainly recall the ads. So, um, so yeah. Anything you want to you wanna add to that? Um, I mean, the guy's Jewish. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. The actor is a Jewish. I think he's Orthodox. No, he's not. That, there's no way he's Orthodox. Yes, he is. Let's look it up. Sorry. Okay, that's number one. Uh, number two for me... This is some nostalgia for everyone, for the boys out there. Remember okay. those Gushers ads with like the exploding heads? Oh, that's similar to one of mine. Okay. Oh. No, I don't actually. That was like a thing. They eat the Gushers and their heads would be like, Psh! I don't even remember the context of the, of like that. I don't remember like the the tagline or anything. Okay. I just remember like that's what would happen. They would eat the Gushers and like they would just, the heads would explode with like, with like the colors. Interesting. You don't remember that at all? No. I don't know why. Maybe I, your five I, years I do, past. It could well, be, I I'm going to jump into my one which was the old ads for Fruit by the Foot. Do you remember those? No. I can't remember what the tagline was, but they used to just like eat Fruit by the Foot like forever. They'd just be like eating and eating and eating and eating it. And that was always fun. And then like you would actually get your own Fruit by the Foot. And, and it would not be that long. And you also, okay, time out. When you eat a Fruit by the Foot, you now crunch what up do in, I do? Do you crunch up in a ball? I do one of two things. Either I do like they do on the commercial for fun, just rip it all the way open and just yeah. like slurp, slurp it, it up. Yeah. Yeah, you slurp it up. Or I very neatly and carefully roll it into a ball. Um, and fruit then I put it in my mouth and I suck on it and I try to get it to last as long as possible. Fruit roll up or fruit by the foot? What What do you mean? What do you prefer? 
Oh, fruit by the foot. Is that yeah, fruit by the foot. Sure. It's a better texture. The fruit roll up is, is a little bit too sticky for me. How do you eat a string cheese? Um, I don't, but when I do, I pull off strings. You don't bite it. I mean, then I could have just taken a break of cheese. <laughs> I bite it because I, I just. I, I know, like, but you realize it's called string cheese. I understand, cheese. but I think it takes too long and it's just like you don't get enough. I don't, I don't relate to that. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Number two for you. Okay. Um, number two for me is Wheaties. I want to be clear about the Wheaties. Um, obviously, you can't talk about marketing and not talk about Wheaties. The Wheaties cereal is not good. Oh, I don't, yeah, it's not good. I it's maybe hard. tried it once. No, not no, good. it's not good. But but somehow, but it just I think it's a testament to how good the marketing is. Mm-hmm. Is that they've they've been they've been here forever. Not only that, they've they've coined themselves as the breakfast of champions, and literally nobody eats it. Nobody eats it, but they get champions. Like everyone's been on the box. Like it's so mind-boggling. Like they shouldn't exist. Correct. The cereal as like a standalone. Crispbook should, Crispbook should be like this, the the okay. no over, no. And we're not going to get into that cereal. That's not, dangerous, let's not do dangerous. that right now. I'm just saying, like weedy cereal is not good. Yet they've been here forever, and they're it comes to mind as a cereal, and it's because they've had the likes of Michael Jordan. I mean, they've had everyone on the cover. So I don't think we could talk about marketing without talking about the Wheaties campaign. All right, what's your three, four? I have so many ways I can go with this. I really I really have so many ways. Oh, my gosh. I should give you my list just so you could have some other ones. Um, okay, I have to say the Nike Just Do It. Um, yeah, that's Nike. a good one. It's a good one. I mean, nothing else needs to be said. Nothing else needs to be said. Yeah, that's that also has some pretty significant staying power. Right. It's been around forever. Yeah. Been around forever. They also did, like, were they, what did they do with Michael Jordan back in, in the years? They had, like, a co, it was just like a, they collaborate together? What? Like a collaboration? Well, because the old, the old, like, remember that, like, the Like Mike commercial? Wasn't yeah. that? Was that McDonald's. Nike? That was McDonald's? Um, I don't even know. Oh, shoot. We're going to get roasted in a way we want. Someone's going to be like, oh, you idiots. Got to see it how I dream yeah, to I be. Bum, ba dum, bum, bum. I dream I could. Okay. I dream I would. Like Mike. Um, if I could be like Mike. And number four I for me. I want to be, I want to be. Sorry. Okay. Number four for me is um, Geico 50% or more on car insurance. Oh, the Gecko. No, the, I mean the well, even the ad campaign of fifty percent or more. Right? It's, right, it's been around for they've been doing it for a long time now. It's yeah, been years. Yeah, it's been years. Yeah, for sure. It's been a long time. Yeah. Also, I mean they have great ads. Um, they do have great ads. Pretty, yeah, they're pretty funny, entertaining. Like the Hump Day one. I'm just saying, like the obviously the marketing. I mean, it's like a funny thing that marketing campaigns have like these mascots. Yeah. But like, as far as that's a, okay, that's should be a whole different board of directors of mascots of of business mascots. Not yeah. like team mascots, like business corporate mascots. mascots. Yeah, corporate yeah. mascots. Mm-hmm. But the gecko is a great one. Yeah. Um, okay, number three, four for me. Um, I have a whole bunch of these, but when I think of my childhood, I think of Nickelodeon magazine. Um, if you know, you know. They used to have these commercials where, like, they would like try to brainwash children to get their parents to subscribe to Nickelodeon magazine. So if you watch Nickelodeon, if you had cable as a child, um, and you watch Nickelodeon, like there were these constant ads of trying, I, I want, my parents never let me, I don't think, I don't remember ever getting Nickelodeon magazine, 
but I remember so strongly like the brainwash. Like I recognize the fact that Nickelodeon was just trying to use me to basically make money on their Nickelodeon magazine. And it was like, oh, you're not old enough, but get your parents to call and order yeah. Nickelodeon magazine. So that's the other one. Um, growing up in Chicago, there are two uh, ad campaigns. And there's actually a, a several classic Chicago ad campaigns. Um, but for me, the one that is most nostalgic would be Empire Carpet. That's not local to Chicago. It's not? No. How far does that go? I, I When I was a kid, they had it. And in I did California? not grow up in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that was a national thing. Because the other one was going to be Eagle Man. That is that is not, not that might be local. That's local. But Eagle Empire Man. Carpet is great. Empire Carpet, yeah. Empire, yeah. Call Five today. Eight, eight, two, three hundred. Empire. Call yeah. today. Yeah. Call today. Yeah. Some people used to think it was five eight eight two three hundred, and four. It's that, not right. No, definitely not. It's definitely Empire. Wait, how could it be Empire? Yeah, five eight. What was the area code? Probably 800. 1 800. Yeah. Really? Oh, we're going to get killed. Ugh, shoot. Okay, anyway. Why do we do this? And then Empire, Eagle Man, look at those low rates. Um, and then <laughs> you have a like plug Tile for? Outlet, 2444, West Fulton in Chicago, just three blocks west of the Kennedy Expressway. Tile Outlet. Whatever. These are, there's a lot of these. Vichula, Vichula. Um, so, yeah. I yeah. have one honorable mention. Dishonorable mention. Oh, go for Can it. Can you guess it? Cars for kids. Yeah. I know, but the fact that it's a dishonorable mention is exactly what they want it to be. So, we'll cut that part out. It's legendary. I, I we'll cut that part. No, out. I think we can hand it to them. They did a good job. I know it's they did a great thing. It's infuriating. I just don't think Country Aussie gets enough credit. Like, do he, people he wrote it? Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna sing the song that he sang because then you're definitely no. But yeah, he wrote the he wrote the the jingle is his jingle, and he's recognized this on Facebook a few times. So mm-hmm. if it's a great ad. And it, it works. Like it wor- Like I'm sure there are companies that think to themselves, wow, I wish we had thought of something like that. Am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, also they get like made fun of like in TV shows. Like it's so, it's like so well yeah. known. Yeah. All right, go. Okay. Anyway, uh, last week we had, uh, we had a very, very good Ask the Expert. Um, and uh, there's been a lot of uh, feedback on the social media channels. Um, and there are people that would like to dispute. So uh, we will now welcome a very special guest if he answers the phone. For a session of where we were wrong. Hello. Uh, Mr. Reifer, how are you? This is 990 Talk Live. Um, The segment is called Where We Were Wrong. So we are allowing you to clear the air regarding the Pac-Man scores in the office. What an honor. My kid's team beat his team in Little League Baseball last night. That's, that's, that's another – well, are you going to have a follow-up to this <laughs> call with Ari? Because all you guys do is spread lies. You're like the mainstream media. One second. Oh, whatever. Okay. I don't, I don't need to get you riled up. <laughs> it's too right, late. Let's talk about Pac-Man. We'll start what do you there. Have to, what do you have to say? Clear the air. Yeah, I can't be the only one on this call. I mean, you gotta you gotta get Davis on the call. You gotta get Ryan on the call. Everyone has to be held responsible. Are you in the office? I am. You want to walk into 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 Ryan's office? I think Ryan's office because Ryan's the one that told us. You know, he's the one yeah, that really yeah, told us. You know stories. what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna gather the troops. I might even grab uh, Bo here. Hold on, give me a second. Do, 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 do. 
Do you have any favorite like um like waiting like waiting? Remember was call waiting sounds. Remember remember what's his name's phone? We called him. On the podcast, we had him on. Uh, in a meeting, in a meeting. Uh, the, oh, that, in you a tell, meeting? you tell him who's in a meeting, Bo or or. Um, I mean, the whole they're 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 all holding a meeting right just now. Bust just bust in there. Who's, I mean, who's you go right in who's there. Who's scared of? Just get Put in there. Put it on speaker and go, go right, right in. in there and Who, say say just listen, everybody. I'm currently on with my get in talk, there and I'm we have an important the topic to discuss. Jordan, yeah. who could possibly be in the meeting that you're scared? And you don't even work yeah, for them. No, no, it's not. I wouldn't say it's scared. There's just no. He's it's just office. Faces there. Oh, there's that what? Just, it's not. It's he's he's just a nice guy. He doesn't want to barge into the other the other office. So you why don't you like, page his second secretary and pretend it's an emergency? <laughs> I did. I actually pointed to the phone and I said, "Something has to be done right now." Be like so, be like a very important client on the phone. Exactly. We might have to make this up, you know. You know, you guys call, you know, just out of the blue. You have to like schedule an appointment. No. that way. Yeah, no, that's not happening. That's not how this but works. Maybe we should do like a uh, uh, on-location follow-up. Do we have to come yeah. bring the equipment to your office, Jordan? Do we have to come do like a whole episode from the office, and we'll play live Pac-Man on the show. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. All right, let's do that. It's not a bad idea. Let's do that. All right, so we'll have to follow up. But right. you, you have you have nothing to say. No, let's save it then. If we're gonna... I gotta get my lawyer on the phone. This, oh, there's yeah. a lot to discuss here. Yeah, I hear and that. You guys, you just put this on the spot. Do you wanna? Do you have a quick plug? Do you wanna wish <laughs> Fernando Tatis Jr. a speedy recovery from the COVID nineteen virus? Really nice speaking to you, Ari, and um, <laughs> you take care of yourself. I think Fernando Tatis actually came down with COVID today. I so. just said you should. We should wish him a, a, a speedy recovery. Yeah, we'll get him eventually. I mean, as long yeah, you, you he, he has to be he has to be shielded, you know, from from the virus. They failed to shield him, so whatever. That's cute. A little playing words over there. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's been really nice, guys. All right. And so then, to be continued, I guess. Yeah. Next time. To be continued. Yeah. Next time. This is really a thrill, though, to be on the show. Yeah. Really. You, yeah. You. Uh, the pleasure's all ours. Yeah. You take care of yourself, Jordan. Yeah. And Ari, work on the kids' swing. Uh, likewise. Bigger. Likewise. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Yeah, I mean, my kid sucks. but We'll leave it at that. We don't need to traumatize anyone more. We can just be honest, okay? Yeah, it's going to go butt up. He looks good in his jersey. That's the important thing. That's right. Oh, yeah, one more thing. Last year in the Madrego baseball event, I think I might have hit a home run over Cerulli's head. I just, I don't recall, but maybe Cerulli. Do you remember that? I, 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 this is what I'll say. A lot of people, I think Nacho Myers hit like 17 balls over my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a little embarrassing too. I mean, look, in my defense, as a kid growing up in San Diego, we only had like eight kids. We never really played baseball. That's... Sounds like yeah, that's a bad defense. I mean, it's very practical. I mean, you don't play golf either, judging by uh, your skills at the Nagila event. Wow, <laughs> get him off! He's this done. He's done. He's done. He's done. He's done. <laughs> I can. I mean, I could do this all day. But yeah, I, we're com- really we'll come visit. We'll come visit. We're come. Yeah, we're. Do we and have Ari, to- and Ari, the golden team machine is waiting for you as well. Yes, yes, I know it is. It's no. calling my name. Okay, I have to have to mark that down. Okay. Later, boys. All right. Till next time. Thank you, Jordan. Wow, good guy. That cut deep. Oh, I, I know. I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't. Man. I didn't mean for it to go there. You kind of asked. For I know. It, I was escalating Why it. Do you but press like, it? I thought he's kind of like he's kind of like a like a like like a, you have to like provoke the beast. Yeah, he was very mellow. Once you get, him, poked, st- yeah, once you get him started, yeah. yeah, Jordan's always good for a good take. He's a homie. 
Homies looking out for me, they the ones who family I've been on that melody, it's obvious this energy I'ma do me, and you can do you But I'm gon' do what I love, do what I love I'ma do me, and you can do you But I'm gon' do what I love, do what I love, do The record this button. Is gold, it's fine. Jerry. You can do whatever you want with this. It's recording now. This is gold, Jerry. Where in the house? Where in the house? If you're trimming your beard and yeah. head once a week, yeah. where in the house do you do it? Upstairs bathroom, off my bedroom, by myself. It just sounds like play, I, no, no, playing, I feel like play, playing. Time out. I feel 90s, like playing nineties hip hop. Nineties hip hop. I feel like um, there should be like a Shark Tank thing where like it's like a product where like the, the, the trimmer just hanging Wait, there and you just do like a cartwheel through it and like you're just shaved. Okay, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but they, but you know how it is, do you like, collect? Right, how right, do you collect the the the, the clippings? Ooh. Okay, so for me, this is really where we're I, getting. No, here. I actually we have a tile floor, so it's easy. I do it directly onto the tile floor, and then and immediately sweep it, sweep it up. Right. Oh, is, and that, then is that a move? Up. Is that really a move? Well, because have you seen those things where it's like the, yeah, the, the I, I have one and, and the it suction cups it's to the mirror. It's a disaster. It's not a disaster. Even if I was by myself, if my dog walked in and saw me, I'd be embarrassed. I want no one to know that I'm using a bib with suction cups to shave my head. I don't even know what to make <laughs> of that. If it worked, if it worked as well as they advertise it to work, I don't even know why I still try. It doesn't even help. I feel like I, the movie I, is just to just to shave it on the floor. But do you? So yeah, you, but you got to sweep yeah. it up really, really well. Really well. But do you, so you, you, not a single hair makes its way onto the sink or surrounding area. Um, I'm usually oh, a, I'm out? usually a foot we'll back from the oh, countertop, literally shaving over the floor. So you're floor. in the mirror, but you're I shaving over the question. floor. Correct. But I could do it blind Stephen. at this point, and I have with Stephen. an unplugged like w- what uh, color? battery razor. What color is the floor? Uh, white. Okay. Uh, off white. Why? What does that matter? It was, it was like dark. He's just like like just hide the hairs in there. No. <laughs> well, I like to go on record saying that I, I really like don't want to have the. I mean, first of all, it's happy wife, happy life with mm-hmm. hair on the floor. But also, I don't want my hair on the floor, <laughs> personally. Right. I, I I'm I'm the same way. But I will tell you, you asked about like the earlier conversation about music. That's like a return of the macro. This is how we do it. Sort of time. I hear. You know. Yeah. And it's not like when we were younger before going out, you would get ready. This is right. just getting ready to exist. <laughs> I feel like you you put on aftershave. Are you an aftershave guy? Not aftershave per se, but I do like cologne. Yeah. Like I'm not like, like Aqua Velva, I think is like aftershave. That's what older, older guys do. And they right. slap it on their face like skin bracer. Right. Right. No, but cologne for sure. Have you even during I, the pandemic? Am I the only one that gave into some of those Facebook ads and, and ended up with Dr. Squatch soap? N- not I don't okay. want to plug Dr. I'm Squatch so, on the so show. Glad. I'm just curious. Coming First of all, they should sponsor this. I'm so glad you mentioned <laughs> that because I I use like Dove for Men body wash and it's yeah. fine and that smells great and whatever. I've seen Dr. Squatch, Squatch and they really have marketed well to me. I've come close to buying it probably 12 times. So I actually went in to buy it and then like I had an issue with my credit card checking out and it didn't work out. And then my brother-in-law gifted me with a whole like care. So what? Package. Which one did you get? Like rum bay or pine Four tar or whichever soaps. one? Uh, yeah, you're pine tar is, the, is my is my go-to, and it is it's awesome. I just I'm not sure if I'm giving in. T- I don't know. I don't I don't even know why it's, it's awesome. Listen, it's okay to be marketed to yeah. if you want to be marketed to. Okay. You clearly you're looking for it. Well, you, you feel you feel a void in your life. You're looking for something, and this yeah. Doctor Squatch is filling. It. I am just like I'm good with Old Spice body wash. I don't need anything fancy. You this wear m- Axe, don't you? No. A little bit. No, you did in no, high school. You, you for, for sure showered yourself in Axe in high school. I see that. First face. of all, if I always I always liked Old Spice better than Axe, even for body spray. That's number one. So Axe you're like a little an old, bit, you're like an old a little bit trashy for me. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, Old Spice had much funnier commercials. The Centaur. All yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah. With what's yeah. his name? It's Terry Crews. Um, so, I mean, look, 
Uh, I will actually push back on that. I was not an axe uh, drowner. I was. I, I, this may make for a good board of directors, so we should stop the conversation here. But I was going to say that if, no, if I think back on all of the times um, smart ads won me over. Yeah. Like uh, any purchase or item that I bought because of a smart ad, I think that or just smart okay, ads so in that, general so make give for me a one. very good board give of directors. Me, give me one well, other ad than that Dr. you were flat out marketed to. So other, other than Dr. Squatch, uh, <laughs> I'm not even sure I should be saying this stuff on the air because I, I feel like when people complain about the ads they see, they're really – telling everyone a lot more about themselves than they're prepared right, to they're, do. They're projecting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I gave into bird dog shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I gave into bird. Do- you I and bought, I, you and I, I are in the same mirrored profile on Facebook. Okay, good. Cause so I then, get bird dog. Like, he's such I a, get you're such Squatch. a typical dude. You're like, I'm a typical mid, you know, 30. You're basic. You're basic. Yeah. yeah I'm a little basic. I'll, listen, it's not basic. I'm do you basic. Wear all birds? I, I do, and you he's, knew that, and that so was going to be my number three. But, but I don't think, and that was going to be my number I, I three. I got to be honest, birds. though. I think you're crossing archetypes. I don't think there's a – it's a very unique Venn diagram that is Dr. Squatch, all birds. And bird dogs. And bird dogs, because Although those are very they're freaking, different. They're naming their companies for me. But you, but you know what, though? You're kind of a renaissance man then. It's no, like, you I feel can't like every single dude – That's true. Every yuppie in Williamsburg with a beard is probably has the exact same ads popping up on their phone. You think? I don't think the yuppies in Williamsburg are wearing bird dogs. They're fantastic, by the way. It's like wearing a marshmallow. All right. 